decided polyphasic isn't for me. Not that I wouldn't mind the more time, but it, it is quite an investment. Like I, it's not something you can do being a consultant. I mean, you have to be available at certain times. I mean, if you had like a regular schedule that you could carve out 15 minutes or 20 minutes for a nap and that kind of stuff, but not when I potentially be on site with a client or traveling, you just, that just messes with you too much. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't do it every day. I mean, I can't even sleep at night correctly every day. Yeah. That doesn't mean that on the days that you do have time for, what, what, what did, what was, what, were you looking at polyphasic? Is well, yeah, was? polyphasic requires a lot more discipline because you have to you have to be regular with your schedule. You have to take those naps and in order to give your body the chance to refuel. And so what I envision happening is once your body gets used to that schedule, if you get off of it, come that time where you're supposed to normally take a nap, you'll be nodding off because your body's like, oh, it's about that time, isn't it? And I just don't want to be in a position where I'm nodding off with a client because I'm on a polyphasic sleep schedule every so often. A biphasic seems a little more attainable. It's, it's usually around, what, six hours at night, and then you take a pretty much like an hour nap in the afternoon. You can carve out, you can do it lunchtime, basically, and eat at your desk or something. <clears throat> right. Yeah, people, th there was a little conversation going on in the Slack about that. Did you see it? Yeah, I did, and there's some links and some articles, and I did some more reading on it and everything. And I mean, there really is no scientific evidence that it's good for you. There's plenty of people saying it's just bad for you. Everyone sticks to the kind of sleep debt kind of factor. It reminds me of things like, I guess also certain diets, like what, what were, um, oh gosh. Oh, like the, the intermittent fasting. You mm -hmm. heard of this? It's like basically like you essentially like skip breakfast and lunch and you just eat only eat day. after like 6 p.m. Yeah. And I think that, I think that does work for some people. It also affects, I think, women different than men, even though women are supposed to be exactly like men. It actually does affect women differently. A little bit more dangerous for women. Women, I'm um, just, I think, uh, I don't know, just something with the biology. Don't recall the details. But yeah, Dr. Nick said that, um, I'm just looking, at, went back to the Slack. He said he did some research into it at some point. He said it's really hard to pull off. It uh, ends in a social mess. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> let's see what else he say. It, it's been researched pretty well due to shift work benefiting from an interesting um, they fail after this. So the polyphasic sleep pattern, it fails after some time, but you can sustain it in the short term. Oh yeah. Biphasic is having a siesta. Well, that's what I just did. Yeah. Yeah. So I think really what I need is I just need to get on a better routine and I'll, I'll probably try some kind of form of biphasic. Cause I think that, I think that would be beneficial to kind of give myself a chance to rest and recharge. And so the rest of my afternoon, I'm just as productive as I am in the morning, ideally because I've had that rest. Yeah, I mean, isn't um, isn't I thought taking a, like a, a short nap a day is a like a good thing? Is that just not conventional wisdom? Don't isn't not well, the Japanese is do that? Desert dwellers, because well, in the afternoon it gets so hot, you take a siesta. Don't and then you, you yeah you work later when it cools down a bit. And supposedly, <laughs> don't don't the Japanese take like power power naps every afternoon? Oh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Nick also said he was sad there was no update from you on your. Um, yeah, no, I. It's it's kind of funny. I've been so busy that I haven't had a chance to even circle back on it. So this it's, it's is, another one of my vaporware. Oh, I know, I know. It's another it one of my vaporware things. But no, I, I do plan on getting back on it. I I was going to do some things on it last night, but life got in the way, and so, like I said, really, what my problem comes down to, and this is why I was looking at the polyphasic sleep thing, is I don't have a good routine. So whenever I want to do something like this and add something to my schedule, there's no time for it because my schedule is just everywhere, and I'm just kind of running chaotically ad hoc from one thing to another. So, and, and I, as much as I want to start a new routine right now, or at least a 
more formalized routine. I really can't because next week it's going to get kind of ruined by trailhead. I'll be traveling, conference. There's really not going to be much of a schedule for me to follow. It's just going to be chaotic as well. Yep. So when I come back, I'm definitely going get, to get on a schedule. I have it all worked out on how I want to structure my day. I do have time slots for certain things that I do want to get done, you know, just personal and professional type stuff. So, um, yeah, hopefully soon I'll get back on it and we'll start talking about it because I do have some things to say. I've done a lot of research, done a lot of reading, and I want to put some of that to practice. So I'm looking forward to it. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, you can only uh, only squeeze so much into a, into your life. Yeah. You have to make, to decide what you're going to do. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting there. I tell you, I got a compliment today. Oh. I'm really excited. Oh, wow, John's. Someone has made your day. I can tell from yeah. the, by the... I was walking down the street and someone tapped me on... No. <laughs> no, um, I, I was talking to someone that I hadn't talked to in a while, one of my former clients, and um, it was because I... And I don't remember why we were talking, but I, I talked to him, and he was telling me about a, a, one of my last jobs that I worked with him on. And the client... We had released it to production, but the client was kind of slow in testing it. And by the time it came back around where they needed some changes to it or fixes or something, I was already employed, so I couldn't yeah. work on it. Mm-hmm. So he had handed it off to another developer. And so um, we'd circled back on some things. Thanks and- for referring whoever this was to me, by the way. I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate you hooking me up. He couldn't afford you, Jeremy. Uh, oh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> he could afford you. You can certainly afford me. No, he couldn't afford me either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hence, I, no, I'm not going to get into it. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, where was I? Uh, oh, so so this other developer had looked at the code and everything, and he said it took him a little bit to understand it, but he was like, man, this he, he goes, this, this guy's kind of been doing this for a while, hasn't he? He's like, he did a lot of code in a short period of time. He says, I was able to read it and modify it. And so I guess for me, it's not so much, it's not, I'm, I, I know it's sounding like a brag, but it's not. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's a compliment to me when another developer can look at my code and say, I see what you did there. It's probably more of a commentary on the state of, Salesforce developers, which is big, giant scare quotes. <laughs> no, I, it's, it's just. Wouldn't you? Would you say though? I guess. I mean, if he, you know, if listen, if someone looks at code and it's it's not just a, a total disaster, they're like, oh wow. Well, it's tough wow. inheriting someone else's code. Period. So when someone can kind of walk in, because I, I there was no chance for me to do a handoff. I was gone. I was I was not doing that work anymore. So. You know, there was no handoff. He just had to read my code and figure it out where he needed to apply either this change or this fix. I don't remember what it was. Um, so the fact that he was able to kind of get in there and read it and modify it um, made me feel good because it wasn't easy code. It was a very complicated wizard slash, it, we call it a conversion, but it really was kind of migrating data from one state into another state yeah. that involved multiple objects and relationships and mappings. Um, so it was almost like a little mini integration type thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I made my day. Yeah. Uh, so it's um. What, what, I know we we had the announcements of some new and you found out you got renewed as MVP, right? Well, I guess you were up for renewal. Oh, I did. Were you up for renewal? I was up for okay. renewal. So you got renewed. I'm sweating bullets. How have I not gotten you kicked out of this thing yet? That's I what know. I want to know. I don't know. I figured you had already. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm the um. What do you what is it, what's it called? Always the bridesmaid, never bride. I'm 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 the guy. I'm <laughs> listen. Is there a award for a number of times you're nominated for MVP and, and you'll never you're never going to make it? I don't know. I know. I just I'm getting vetoed every time. <laughs> Thanks, Salesforce. You're on a black a blacklist. Blacklist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not I'm a whitelist. A blacklist. No, that's that's fine. I don't think I could. Uh, I don't think I could sign all the secret contracts and NDAs and stuff anyway. Um. 
But no, that's cool. So again, I got I, I this is just message to me that I've got to work harder. I've got to work harder to get you kicked out of this program. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if I haven't got you kicked out yet, I don't know. I don't know what else to do. I'm gonna have to just step up my game, I guess. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'm nervous. <laughs> Um, but we had some uh, some folks that we know that that are new MVPs, right? So there was Chuck Liddell, yeah. So congratulations, and he, you know, Trick's one of the people that's like, oh wow, he wasn't already MVP. You know, there's certain people I think I just assume are. I think that's what qualifies you to be an MVP. Is that's usually the when you look at the feedback that people are giving, it's usually what this guy isn't already one. Right. I can't believe this already. Yeah, already one. I remember last last announcement that I, I thought the same thing. There was someone I was like, oh wow, you were an MVP already. How's that possible? Yeah. Um. But then, uh, let's see, uh, another name I recognize, Carrie Townsend, who um, I met, I think, last year at Trail, Trailhead DX. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know her or not. I, I, I noticed she's popped in the Slack recently, so I don't know if that was just for Trailhead planning or what. But um, Yeah, I don't know. She's, uh, yeah, she's, she, there's this whole group of, I guess, I guess they're all, well, not all of them, but uh, Brits. She lives, I don't know, somewhere in, I think, England. I was wondering where you're going. Across the pond. Somewhere across the <laughs> pond. Um, let's see. Christian Menzinger. Is that right? Am I saying that right? And Evan Johnson. Yeah, Evan said, it's funny, he said he joined the GDS Slack group two weeks ago and was immediately awarded MVP. Salesforce <laughs> <laughs> gods work in mysterious ways. Uh, that's funny. Well, you got to join the Slack group, Jeremy, if you want to be an MVP. Apparently so, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, well, congratulations to everyone who made it, those that we listed and those that we didn't. It's What is it, like 20 or 30 new ones each round or something? about 30 new ones, yeah. Do they increase? I mean, are we having some inflation go on here? Are there, People the, do drop off. They drop. So as many as many get added, that same many, that same number have to drop off? Or there's My understanding there's, 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 no, there's no cap and there's no quota. There's, <laughs> there's no it's, cap. It's whoever gets vetoed by Salesforce and who doesn't. Yeah, I love just, that, though. It's a secret ballot and Salesforce counts the votes. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that Jeremy, he just he just not getting enough votes. Shucks. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't uh, have said those things I said about you in your in your feedback. Yeah. I actually don't even I don't even technically know if I was nominated. Is I just, I don't sh- know. I think some... It, I think it would be nice, <laughs> and maybe we should propose this. I guess, I think it would be nice to see what people say when they nominate someone. I mean, because even if you don't get it, you at least, you can at least get that feedback. I mean, people said some really nice things about you, surprisingly. You, surprisingly, I, I they always, said some nice I things I always about hear you. that, which is, it is a kind of a shocker, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, man, people are very generous if they said something nice about me. Uh, you know we all love you. Yeah, uh, okay. Enough of that. Well, let's get to, because we don't have much time. This is going to be a short show, just warning, yeah, warning everyone. Because we're, speaking of Trailhead, we're about to jump on a uh, conference call for that. Um, but I did want to talk about the, the MuleSoft thing. I mean, there's, there's actually was quite a bit of relevant news. I mean, um, we have um, a lot of Facebook stuff, which, wow, it was such a shocker. Benioff uh, seemed to be right, in fr- right ahead of that one as well. Yeah. Because what happens... Is, if, is it we're finally what, seeing what the happens, story John, unfold? What, what, would ha- what would Benioff do if he knew there was a company that he is involved with that Salesforce makes a lot of money from, that's the, one of their biggest clouds is integrated in a huge part of, if he knew that they were heading for a lot of public trouble what would he do what he always does he would get out in front of that thing mm-hmm. and he has and and, and 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 say look i'm the good guy here i'm the good guy here those are bad guys those are bad people that's what he does on everything he's a master at this he's a master at that 
And that's what he did about, what was it, was a couple months ago? I, I feel like I started well, we've been at, speculating uh, about it. There's something here. That, what, why is he saying yeah, this? Why what, is he attacking this industry? There's something, and I could not, I can't tell you what it is, what specific part about it, aspect of it, but there's something that doesn't feel right about this. There's something that is just off. All right. What is going on here? And I still don't know what it was. Well, uh, well, I, and, and it's not like this was hard to predict. I mean, I feel like this anti-Facebook sentiment has been building for years. And, but I mean, it, it, boy, it sure looks like he knew this was coming. Yeah. So do you think we finally have an answer to the mystery of, of why he's been saying the things he's been saying lately? Well, I, I mean, to me, the answer is, is obviously, I mean, he, he just wants to insulate himself and Salesforce from it. Now, he doesn't want to be associated. I mean, because Salesforce is highly associated with Facebook. Marketing Cloud and, or, or one of their marketing suite of products, I think... Which, well, what used to be, what, Radian 6, the whole social media yeah, which, platform? Which, which one ties in? Well, there's... Yeah, that's... Well, a, service, uh, service Cloud ties into the social media stuff. And in one of their... I don't know which product is, but one of them you know, ties into the whole advertising system. That's probably marketing cloud. It might be. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's part of the real nastiness of, of Facebook is, is the ad system, the data sharing system, all that. I mean, that's what they're in trouble for right now. Yeah, I'd gone back on Facebook for something. I don't remember what it was. I, had, I think it might have been something to do with, oh, I was trying to set up my Trailhead profile because I have to start doing that now. <laughs> you do? Oh, well, yeah. What is a Trailhead profile? It's your profile that that tells you that shows everyone how many badges you have. Is it really? Yeah, and you link it to your partner to, the, to your partner account and things like that. So, I mean, part badges are becoming part of the requirement for partners as well. So, you know, not only is it certifications oh, yeah. that Salesforce makes partners care about, it's also badges. I see. So yeah. here's here's mine. It's weird. There's like a play button on mine. The hell is this? Badges. We ain't got no badges. <laughs> we don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. <laughs> yeah, someone go get me some badges. Yeah, and start start competing with people. I mm. guess. Actually, I'm not much of a computer. I don't. I don't really want to compete. Yeah. I just want to do my thing. I'm, Let me do my thing. I'm I don't have to compete. Way. I also, I something about me. I, I avoid anything where I feel like I'm competing in just a rat race. Yeah. Like I have like anytime I like if I'm I don't know traveling at times where I'm, I'm just stuck in traffic. I'm always just like. Man, I'm doing the wrong thing because I'm doing the same thing everyone else is doing right now, and that just seems like the wrong thing to me. Yeah, for me, my strategy is going to be just I just want to focus on the things that I want to learn learn about, things that I feel are going to be valuable. There are some people with a strategy of they want to collect as many as they can, so they they do the quick wins, the the easy ones first, and they start you know tackling the bigger ones. I'm like, I I don't have the time or energy for that, so I'm gonna, I'm going to take a different approach. Is it a good way to learn? You know, Salesforce is their their propaganda around Trailhead is just it's. Oh, it's funny. It's, everything it has reached everything epic has a trail. Even even so, speaking of the extracurricular, some of the sessions. If you looked at some of the at the confirmation for our sessions, um, there's uh, links to uh, how to how to promote your thing in social media. I think that's a Trailhead thing. And there's also some Trailhead on how to speak and conduct yourself and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. There's trails for all of that. I know. I, th- I think there's literally like a trail on lesbians. Or I'm serious. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm serious. There's like a trail for the um, what are they called? The Ohana groups and and all this, all this. The way you no, like equality. No, I'm serious. It's like the equal. There's like a whole equality section. I haven't. Mm. That's people told me about it. I haven't seen it. 
I don't do trails. I, I probably should. There's, in fact, there's some things I want to learn that I'm thinking about doing some trails on. I've got a, I don't know. I have a, I just have had, I've had bad luck with trailhead. Mm. Um, I think the last time I went into it, it was just crashy as hell, and I couldn't even get through a, a thing. It kept crashing or something. I mean, it well, is plenty of people have ton of badges, so somebody yeah, getting it. No, I know there. Yeah, I guess you just have to go during off peak time or something. I'm not sure what it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, let's get the MuleSoft thing. So that's the big news of the day, right? So. Right. Um, which is weird because I feel like I've been talking about MuleSoft. Yeah, that was just I know that's how funny. this happens. <laughs> oh, so the world ro- revolves around me, John. That's what it is. I caused this to happen. <laughs> so uh, potential advertisers, if you want to get bought by Salesforce, uh, yeah, right? You know, yeah. I contact mean, the Good Days exactly. Podcast. We'll talk about you, and, and who I've, knows what'll happen. What's the, what's the founder's name of Mule, Ross Mason or Ross something? Ross Cooley, or was that? That's somebody else. Ross Mason, maybe? Some Ross, something Ross. Um, yeah, I expect, I'm expecting a check from him. I think he's worth like a half a billion dollars now. <laughs> You're welcome, Ross. Yeah. All right, so uh, Salesforce has bought, or ha- is intending, has entered into a definitive agreement to purchase MuleSoft yep. for $6.5 billion. Um, oh, here's a head. I, I, I always like to get a couple of headlines that are funny from these, and I just I mm-hmm. grabbed two, although there were several that were pretty great. Here's one Salesforce saddles itself with MuleSoft for $6.5 billion. Prepare for, quote, deep customer experiences through a personalized one on one journey, unquote. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, here's another headline Salesforce buys a mule but pays for a pedigreed horse. I saw that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, $6.5 billion. That is a ton of money. That's, I don't know, approaching 10% of Salesforce's market cap. Yeah. That's more than Salesforce sells in a year, considering that Salesforce is at a $10 billion run rate. No, that was this year. Now they're on a $20 billion. Well, when they hit that, we'll talk about that, I guess. <laughs> um, just, I'm just trying to put this in perspective. I mean, th- <clears throat> yeah, it, no, that, that's also, what is it, like 20 times as much as MuleSoft's revenue is or something like that? Or t- 10 or 20 times their revenue. So it's, um, and in fact, that was part of the news story. In fact, um, over the, I think, I guess over the past 24 hours since this was announced, you're starting to see more than analysts chime in and talk about, I mean, some of, you know, some of them are like, oh, this is, you know, no, fine. It's, it's, it's great. There's nothing wrong with this purchase. Of course, you know, a lot of these analysts, they have their clients in Salesforce stock. So, mm-hmm. so you're always going to have a lot of Salesforce cheerleading going. I mean, it's, again, it's, you know, almost 90% institutionally owned. So there's a lot of, uh, What's the what's what would be the word? There's a lot of people in you know literally invested in this thing doing well, but there's a lot of analysts that were come out saying, yeah, this is just this is just too much. This doesn't make any sense. Like, let's see, um, six and a half billion dollars, mainly cash, is what Salesforce is paying. Of course, you only pay for cash when you have to. It's not mainly cash. Yes, it is. It's seventy percent cash or seventy or eighty percent cash. Five point nine billion. I thought the number was like thirty thirty six. Oh, that's per share. Yeah. Ah, okay. For some reason, I had it in my head it was $36 million in cash, and the rest of it was in stock, but it's not. It's $36 in per share. Okay. Yeah, per meal share. Um, by the way, this is, yeah, $6.5 billion is, is twice as big, just again, more perspective, twice as big as any acquisition that Salesforce has done before. In fact, um, I, think the la- I think Demandware was the biggest... And before that, it was Exact Target. I think I feel like Exact Target was a couple of billion. Demandware was two point eight billion. Mm-hmm. And again, to put that in perspective, this one is six point five billion. Which I think, wow, six point five billion for an integration tool. Holy cow! 
that's the business I want to go into. <laughs> and on top of that, well, we had talked about building an integration tool years ago. Yeah. We well, could've, we could have sold yeah, this thing. I know. No. Exactly. Just make make sure it's lightning ready and go give Benny off a demo in his office and he, he'd have bought it right on the spot. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is a bold move for sure. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, and I, I think I feel like I have separate notes on this, but this is what, let me jump down here because I just wrote some notes down. This is what's interesting to me about the fact that they got six and a half billion for this. It wasn't too long ago that it, MuleSoft was actually just the Mule ESB. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was completely open source. Now I've noticed that over, and I, I've never, and I haven't, I haven't followed MuleSoft close enough to know like really what their strategy, how they squirmed their way out of this being open source. But they've slowly, I don't know if the open source bits have just kind of slowly rotted away, or if they've built up like this non-open source proprietary like shell around it or something. But, you know, they rode like the, the SOA wave and the ESB, you know, then it was ESB. Oh, you got to do your, you can, you can achieve an SOA via an ESB. And all you got to, and that's when like, you know, you, this, I call it like an ESB in a box or like an SOA in a box. Like there's all these vendors that pop up. And I think, I think Mule was, they were right there, you know, they, they've ridden several of these bandwagons. Mm-hmm. Open source, SOA, ESB, you know, just buy our thing and you'll have your SOA. Yay, Mr. CIO, you know, you can claim victory. And then, and then, Move on to a different job right before the whole thing fails because that's how, that's what CIOs do, right? <laughs> <laughs> they get their bonus and they get promoted. And, and, and well, they 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 switch jobs. They okay. they, they each job is a stepping stone, you know. So they have this nice thing on the resume, and they and they get the hell out of there before it completely explodes. And you know, of course, you know the latest, I guess, or one of the latest bandwagons was, um, I guess, just set, you know. Well, really, the cloud SaaS, um, and also like the, a, a, the you know, I guess it's more of the API bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people. I mean, how I feel like I listen to people all day. People talk about APIs who really could not even tell you what an API is. That, and I'm, my point being, that's how pervasive APIs are, and just the talk of APIs. It's one of well, those more things, so you know, that, that that it's become a buzzword. Yeah, that's my point, I guess. It's such a buzzword. So they, yeah. they, that's just another bandwagon they run. So anyway, they, again, they somehow took an open source product. And, and I, there are so many examples of companies that have either failed or are still kind of just struggling to have amazing open source software. Um, like, I don't know, like a pivotal, a cloud foundry, right? Um, um, Mesosphere. I mean, there's all these companies that... Kind of, it's kind of open sourcey, and they're, and they're doing that model. Red Hat, I mean, actually, Red Hat's the, the really has been the shining example. And how do you, how do you sell just free Linux, and be a bit multi-billion-dollar company? Um, but the, but I guess my point is, most of them don't succeed. It's very very hard. Yeah, but I mean, with Red Hat, there's not a lot of competition for them. How so? How so? Well, because who, they made their, their who made doesn't their- have their own Linux distribution that they're trying to sell. Yeah, but Oracle, Sousa. Um, I mean, there's. I guess I don't know. There's, there's, I, I guess, there's a what I was pointing to is just the because they really tackled that enterprise market. We're 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 doing the service and the maintenance and and all those kind of things. And and it's yeah, I've never. And it's, it's also like people are like, oh yeah, I mean we we can't just use like this is like a big companies. Big companies can't just use free software. They actually have they want to buy a commercial license so they can get like indemnification, mm-hmm. which is just some legal thing. It's like hey, uh, you won't let your legal bull downhill to us or something like right. that. Um, um, and, and so they're willing to pay like ridiculous amounts of money just for stuff like that. 
and also support. Like, and, but it, also, and like, I mean, it's it's an operating system. It's I mean, yeah, yeah, you could create your own flavor of Linux, but how many people out there are going to be doing that? Not many. I'm not sure what your point is right now. I'm just saying that the if we're talking open source software and competition and things like that, I mean, mm-hmm. there's they have probably have less competition in that market than say someone building an integration tool or. I don't something think else you're familiar with the Linux distribution market. I'm not. Yeah, I mean, there's just there's. A, I just I just see I just see the creation. Ubuntu, you ever heard of Ubuntu? Yes, I've heard okay. of Ubuntu. I've had I've had it installed and everything for a while <laughs> till I realized I never use it, and I was like, oh, I shouldn't be taking up the bits with this. But still, I'm I'm just saying it. Just it's not like it's not like a technology that constantly. Ah, see, I can't I can't make this argument. I'm gonna yeah. stop. I can't make this argument. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. Let me go back to my notes since we're just wandering over the place. Um. Sorry for saying um a million times. That's what happens when I read notes. So there's this consensus. I just started the sentence with so. Ah, that this is a bad sign for Salesforce. So it's the it's the price premium they pay. So the pre- the price they're paying for Mulesoft is like it's like two billion dollars over what they're worth. It's like thir- I think it's 37 percent or thirty six percent premium over their stock price. Again, it's it's sixteen times Mule's revenue. So what does this mean, John? What is what? What do we talk about on the on the good old um, the good old balance sheet? The night the the chart of accounts. <laughs> There's this one item that just is ballooning and ballooning and balloons, and it's probably the p- biggest item on the balance sheet right now. A goodwill. Yes, hunting? this is yeah. <laughs> what you call it? <laughs> goodwill hunting? Yeah, <laughs> it's like they're hunting for goodwill. It's like oh, we found a bunch of more goodwill here. So yeah. th- this is really going to hit the old good the goodwill item, which I don't think they've been marking that down yet. And at some point, because you know why they don't mark it down? Because when when you when you're forced, you usually you usually only do it when you're forced to when the when the accountants and the auditors say, you know what, you just can't carry this much goodwill at this point. Um, it's because it shows up as an expense. Because at some point, basically, goodwill is. And it's an expense that we haven't had to recognize yet. It's kind of like a deferred expense. <laughs> Maybe it's unbilled deferred expense. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, they love their accounting buckets, don't they? they just, They're good at it. <laughs> they were really good at it. Ellison needs, needs to needs to hire some uh, Salesforce account accountants, aren't they down because of their cloud? I mean, I wonder they're what this in their cloud numbers. This is good. They've got to have I don't know how many billions billions in the, in that bucket. Anyway, that's it's going to hit this one hard. Um. Salesforce doesn't have doesn't have the cash to to make the cash portion of this. By the way, it's almost that's no, another, but that's their, another their red rise sign. in stock has helped them a lot. I mean that okay. They, what was it a year ago? They were at seventy, sure, sure. and now they're right. at what one hundred twenty five because because they are paying some of this in stock, but mm-hmm. but it's but only a minority, only a small like a, a relatively small percentage in stock, which is interesting because you'd always want to you always want to buy with stock if you can if you're a public company. Um, but it's interesting. That's another that's another one of the kind of the the red flags here is that. Mule really didn't want to accept a lot of stock from Salesforce. Um, just a sign, and and that might be. I mean, uh, that could be a uh, their concern about Salesforce's stock in particular, or the stock market in general right now. I would be. I mean, there is to say in general. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no signs that Salesforce is slowing down. Even even with the cloud um, dip in revenues that Oracle hit, it this, didn't seem to affect Salesforce. This acquisition much. in and of itself, which is to me, this is probably the biggest red flag. This acquisition in and of itself is a is a sign that Salesforce is slowing down. Um, this is a way for them to get revenue. This is also let me let me go down here. Um, where was their note? Here we go. Salesforce execs warned that they that this deal may make it harder to achieve some of their recently stated financial targets, especially operating margins. The company said it will issue new guidance that incorporates the impact. Mm. Um, let's see. Translation. 
Salesforce execs need a deal that would give an excuse for not achieving any of its stated targets, <laughs> especially operating margins, and in fact, needs a shiny new asset with which to bamboozle markets and, cu- and customers, and one in which will soak up as much possible of their operating costs over the next decade. That's so cynical. I, I mean, okay, so let's, let's talk about the face value of them having an integration platform like this with a ton of connectors, specifically connectors that are designed for niche verticals like healthcare, um, insurance, all these things where they have these very antiquated systems with very specific either APIs or non-existing APIs where you need some kind of agent okay. or something okay, like that. Okay, but they already had that. And that's called, they were a partner with MuleSoft and MuleSoft was available. And by the way, MuleSoft... Yeah, but that's a separate a, contract negotiation. That's, that's Salesforce saying, yeah, you can connect with MuleSoft, but you have to go to them and, and drive the contract. This, this makes it all one thing. This is all one contract John, negotiation. I will pay you, uh, I'll take you out for the nicest steak dinner that's available in the Dallas area. If you can get a, a MuleSoft gig through your Salesforce deal without it being on your contract, without having to sign a contract for your MuleSoft that's from Salesforce. No, I'm saying that's the... You're still going to have to contract for it. It's no, not, I'm not that's saying not, that. That's not what I'm change. saying that it's it's So, so uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. I was working with a company who, who wasn't doing HealthCloud, and they did want some integration. But for them to get... They got, a, they got Salesforce approved, but now they needed to get MuleSoft approved. And they're still the going to have to. They're still going to have to. That's not going to change. You don't think so? No. You don't think get the, the umbrella of Salesforce and trust will, will reduce that burden? Uh, no. Uh, well, I don't know. That's that's people's. I mean, I can't tell you what perception is in someone's head, but it's going to be a. I mean, it's going to be its own. When it contract. comes to Heroku, people go, "Well, it's Heroku is a Salesforce product. It's under their umbrella. You should trust this, it." This is a. This is actually another point that I had on this, which is now, and it, to me, this is just a downside to it. Not that I don't like Nilsoft. I think it's fine for what it is, except it's really expensive. And Can you ca- like anything, Jeremy? You always you're like I kind of like. Well, it. I don't like it. I don't know. You, you, I thought you liked it. I I haven't. I'm not. I've not used it anything real, so oh. I can't tell you whether I like it or not. I mean, there's things I like about it. I've already talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, that, that's one of the downsides to this. And you just kind of made the point: is this is going to become like the only integration platform in the world now? It's going to be. It's going to be the one. Like you're not even listening to me now. Oh, I hate when you do this. Because we we're supposed to be on another call. I'm going to ask for ten minutes. No, nah, we shouldn't do that. We should just wrap this up. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, th- this is going to be like it's 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 going to be like this is the meal is the only option. Oh, MuleSoft, and nope. and, every, and you have all these consultants and salespeople walking around selling, talking about MuleSoft, selling MuleSoft. They have no idea what they're doing, no idea what they're talking about. But it's just gonna, just like they do with Heroku now. Or it's, it's a, a bunch better of example of CPQ. I can't tell you how many clients were pushed uh, CPQ only to go. Uh, you don't need that. Yeah. Um, but it gets the conversation starting. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't think it's going to impact other integration systems because I think it just it's it's just part of the conversation. Oh, we have this integration tool, and they'll be like, "Oh, do we need integration?" And they'll go and vet all the integration platforms that they need. Yeah. So I don't I don't think it's going to impact their market that way. But I think it does allow Salesforce to check a lot of boxes to say, "Yes, we have a product that will let you integrate with this system, and it's under the Salesforce umbrella." And I think that Kinda, I think yeah. I think that does reduce a lot of legal. Burden. I mean, it's just like you know, you're not going to get. I mean, if you if you want to do sales cloud and marketing cloud, I mean, th- those are both big agreements that you have to really ponder both of them. Both expensive. They're separate parts of the company. True, they're probably, probably going to be separate. They're probably separate agreements, actually. I don't know. I, I, I bet I they are. They're think... completely different platforms. The, the terms of service is different. Everything. It's all. It's all. John, it's just. It's it's a it's a technical it's a legal technical aspect 
that they're from the same umbrella corporation. Mm. I mean, it's really, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to claim to know also, specifically. I just, I just, to, in what, my head, to whatever I think, degree there is that benefit, uh-huh. the kind of the halo effect, which they will get, um, is, uh, is, is what it costs them to do it. It's just, I, I don't think they needed it. It's, I mean, Again, you have to look at the numbers. You have to really understand the amount of money they paid for this, how much they overpaid for it. And, and, I, I, and it, just, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I think this does do one thing. It kills any Twitter by, by, by rumors. Oh, why is that? They just spent a ton of money. <laughs> uh, obviously, I mean, I don't know. You know, Benioff continues to get away with kind of whatever he wants, although he didn't get away with Twitter. Yeah. But... Anyway, I wanted to just run a couple of quick numbers here, other stuff, since we have to go. But Meal's average customer, this is in 2017, and this increases by like 80% a year. But in 2017, their average customer was paying them $185,000 a year. Which is also why every time everyone sounds like, oh, should we use your meal? I'm like, I mean, do you have a couple hundred grand a year in the budget for just, just for a license fees for your integration? If you do, then okay, well, let's talk, let's, let's consider it. But if, if you have more like five grand in the budget, then okay, no. So how much how much does a de- developer cost you to write your own integration? Probably one hundred and fifty, one hundred eighty thousand a year. I do integrations all the time for fractions of that. It's because you're cheap, Jeremy. No, you do too. What are you talking about? You're like throwing out this total straw man. <laughs> just expect. Of course, I'm going to beat that straw man. I'm just death. saying. I mean, f- at some point, when it comes to the technology and and all the monitoring and all those kind of things, the tools kind of starts to make sense if you're able to spread that cost across your organization. If you actually need it, right? If, if you actually need it. The so problem- if, you, if you have to connect, you know, multiple different systems with your data warehouse and then your your SaaS applications, things like that, it makes sense. If it's part of your digital transformation strategy to coalesce your APIs across a unified. Fa- Fabric platform. <laughs> You've been reading CIO Magazine. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I also want to talk about names. What are we going to call this thing, John? I, I can have some candidates. Would you like me to go through mine? Yeah. Okay, so we have uh, uh, some obvious ones. Integration force? No. Uh, no. Meal force? No, force is, de- is deprecated. You Meal can't force. Use force. No, you can't Kinda use force. Kind of rhymes with horse. You can't use force. Okay, how about this? Is, I came up with this one, put it in the Slack the other day. MuleSoft 1, Lightning, now with Einstein. <laughs> how about this one? The integration cloud built natively on the Salesforce platform. <laughs> and here's my, here's, this is, this is, I think this one's going to, going to win. Ready? The ass cloud. <laughs> you get it? Yeah. yeah. All right. I got one for you. Okay. My integration. <laughs> my integration. Yeah. It'd probably be like my integration cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe Salesforce will learn a few things from MuleSoft because you know MuleSoft, you can write your transformations in JavaScript or Java or Python or Ruby. Um, that would be that'd be cool if they could you know learn a little bit from that. Maybe there are some some upsides for us. Well, John, oh, there's so much, so much I'm not going to get to tell you today. That's okay though. Um, yeah, let's. Um, do we have any announcements for this? Is the last recording before Trailhead DX. Yeah, the last thing we, I think we really want to talk about is uh, we'll be do we'll be doing Trailhead. We'll be doing the extracurricular at Trailhead. Which is on Thursday. Which is on Thursday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's an all-day event on Thursday from starting at 8 a.m. to 3 p.m., I think. And there's three different sessions, two-hour blocks. So that is on the scheduler thingy event app, so you should be able to, to find those. Um, didn't, and even, on, didn't even know that thing existed. Do I need to sign up for that? I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wander around and wait till someone kicks me out. Um, 
but on Friday, we're going to plan to hang out somewhere. Um, we're, I'll do a poll on our Slack channel. So if you're not on our Slack channel, please join our Slack channel. Go, go on to gooddaysirpodcast.com forward slash community or just click on community. Uh, I will add you. Um, I'm going to post a poll there to see, just kind of gauge how many people want to meet up, how many people are going to be around. Um, we haven't, Jeremy's owes me a location. I gave him a list to choose from. So he's going to make the executive decision on that. And we'll just send it out time where we're just going to be there. I don't think it's going to be anything formal. We're just going to say we're here. If you want to come and see us, hang out, we'll, we'll be there. Cool. All right. Um, anything else before we wrap up? <clears throat> uh, what'd you bring me to drink? Yeah, I was just going to say, if that's it, if that's all we got. Um, this episode has been brought to you by Mosaic Daydream from Other Half in New York. Or where are they? Brooklyn? In Brooklyn, which is a borough of New York City. It's an India Pale Ale with 6% alcohol by volume. It's delicious. It's an England IPA. And we're enjoying it. Thank you. Have a good day. And to that, I say good day, sir. <laughs> Bastard. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir.